Welcome to Practically Speaking, from the editors of Practical Dermatology Magazine. I'm your host, Todd Schlesinger. How does private practice compare with academic practices? In this edition of Practically Speaking, Dr. Brooke Jackson talks about her career path with Dr. Schlesinger, a private practice dermatologist and researcher in Charleston, South Carolina. Dr. Jackson discusses the events that prompted her career changes and the lessons she has learned along the way. She also shares observations on the specialty overall and insights for helping dermatologists in training prepare for success. Dr. Jackson, a frequent lecturer, is currently head of Skin Wellness Dermatology Associates in Durham, North Carolina, where she lives with her husband and three children. Dr. Jackson, it's so nice to be speaking with you today on our podcast. And from my understanding, you have made some career changes most recently, and I'd like to talk about those today. Can you tell us uh, what changes you've made most recently? Sure, Todd. Thanks for having me. So for 10 years, I was in Chicago and had a private practice with a faculty appointment at Northwestern. And the lease in my office space was up after 10 years, and so it really was an opportunity to sort of reevaluate life. When I opened my practice in Chicago, I was single without any children, and 10 years later, I was married with three children. So the shift for me was more about family and life and less about career, because I certainly spent the early part of my career doing fellowships and talking, podium time, et cetera. And so it was really kind of a a total shift about more family obligation. I also have a mother who is becoming up in age, and I am the designated child who will be caring for her. So it was really important to try and consolidate life. And so... At the end of my lease, my husband and I made the decision to leave Chicago and to move to the Raleigh-Durham-Chapel Hill area. And there I took an academic position at uh, UNC and um, was hired to assist the residents in getting the cosmetic um, department or portion of the department up and going. So that's a very important shift. So what factors besides the family, which makes perfect sense to me, Uh, would have led you to go into academia, and why did you pick UNC? So I've always had an academic focus. Even in private practice, I um, did multiple studies and um, certainly had a lot of podium time with lectures. Come from a family of teachers. My father was a chairman of pathology at Howard University for 42 years. My mother, family of teachers. And so I've always enjoyed academics. And For me, um, the choice for UNC was, again, more about the area. So my husband and I literally just sat down and made a list of the things that we wanted the next phase of life to look like, including cost of living, great schools, good educational opportunities, good job opportunities. And it was also a geographic um, challenge for or geographic priority for me to be close to Washington, D.C., which is where my mother is. And so Chapel Hill was the one. So once you arrived at Chapel Hill, what were the challenges that you faced in building a practice within an academic setting? Um, The residents are really hungry. They really had not had a lot of exposure to a variety of the procedures, which interestingly, they will all be expected to be conversant in when they graduate from residency program. And so um, it was, for me, a great opportunity to introduce them to some of the procedures and different 
types of fillers, filler techniques, um, chemical peel, sclerotherapy, all of the things that, that a, a graduating dermatology resident should be conversant in. And so the challenge that I had was really coming from a private practice where you are not only a dermatologist, but you're a business owner and you are responsible for overhead. I think a lot of dermatologists are actually, you know, you have to be very good as far as um, efficiency. And that is less the case in an academic institution, I think. And a large part of that is because the people who are working in the department aren't necessarily paying the bills. When you're paying the bills, you always know that how much everything costs and what is wasteful and what should be streamlined. And I think that was a big challenge for me. Dr. Jackson, you've given us a lot of practical information so far. My next question for you is about the residents. There's a growing concern that residents in academic settings may not be exposed to as much practical private practice information as they might need because oftentimes they'll be exiting the uh, resident clinic and going into practice on their own. So what resources do you feel are available in the community for residents that are looking for some practical information about private practice and how to get started? Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, as a resident, you are only exposed to what you're exposed to in your training program. And so if at all possible, um, you can use either some of your elective time or even on your own time, vacation time to spend some time with um, a community private practitioner um, that would not only give you information about what private practice looks like, but also um, possibly depending on who you spend time with, give you the option to learn a little bit more about procedures and technology that your department may not have. Additionally, I think there are um, quite a few meetings that will really give you um, a lot of information. I mean, certainly there are a lot of courses at the AAD meetings. The ASDS has some smaller courses, um, typically over a weekend on injectables and lasers. And then um, Joel Schlesinger's meeting in December, which is a cosmetic surgery forum, I think is a fabulous meeting because it's small, it's intimate, um, it's um, five-minute lectures on a lot of topics, but all of the faculty are very, very approachable. Additionally, there's a hand, hands-on session where um, faculty members will actually help the residents um, learn and polish their technique. Very interesting. And I feel like the other piece of that is industry relationships and that uh, I know that in, dermatolo in dermatology residencies, there's limits on what the residents can do as far as industry. There's financial limits as far as and also contact uh, limits as well. So residents at these meetings may have an opportunity to meet up with some people that are in industry and maybe form some relationships. Uh, that they could use in the future. So that's also something I thought. Do you have uh, any comments on that as well? No, absolutely. And, you know, I understand the the issues with um, industry coming into academic departments. But, you know, I think it's very difficult for residents to exit a program really being abreast of all of the choices in cosmetics. And the problem there is that dermatologists are theoretically the experts in hair, skin, and nails. And because of all of the media and social, you know, social media, and we've got some very, very intelligent and educated cosmetic patients. And, you know, imagine the scenario where you exit your residency program without a lot of cosmetic 
information and you start your new job and you've got a patient who may know more than you do. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really important, even though cosmetics is not serious medical concern, it is absolutely a part of dermatology. And because a lot of the procedures were developed by dermatologists, I think that you know, it's it's incumbent upon us as well-rounded, educated dermatologists to understand all of these things. And I think to follow up, there are a number of excellent training programs as well that are available that are industry-sponsored uh, and through unrestricted educational grants on getting practical information on using fillers and toxins that can be found, and also direct industry-sponsored training that can be done in your office. So I think just a lot of resources that are there as well to get you up to speed and familiar with some of the products as you start to learn. My advice there would be to, if you're going to go into your own practice, is start small and build your practice a few products at a time so you can really learn how to use those products extremely well before you add the next product. Um, then, so your decision to leave UNC and start your own practice there locally in Durham. What was the decision process you went through there? The decision for me was, again, more about the way in which I like to practice, um, which I found a little restrictive. Um, I understand that universities and departments have rules, um, but I felt that my talents were better utilized in a private practice scenario. Well, certainly you have more, more, much more flexibility in your own practice, as we all know, and it sounds like you were very familiar with that whole process, having your own practice for 10 years. Uh, you would know exactly how to start that. So a few tips and practical pieces of advice you could give to a resident getting ready to go out and practice on their own. Where do they start besides meetings and things like that? Yeah. Uh, what would you say number one, two, and three are? You know, I would say number one is don't be afraid. You know, I, I think for many, many years there's been um, closing of private practices, consolidation, people joining larger and larger practices. But interestingly, there I think there's a little bit of a backswing and um, there are more people that are starting private practice. And that's really, I mean, dermatology is pre predominantly a private practice specialty. And so I would say don't be afraid. Um, I think you need to get some business understanding. And even if you go into a group specialty or a group practice, you still need to understand the business of medicine. And I think the larger picture of that is um, I really do wish that medical schools would um, add some of those classes because as physicians, if we don't know it, we're going to be sort of um, under the gun of someone else who is telling us what to do. And um, physicians tend to be very independent-minded people, and I think that they really need to understand the business that they're uh, a part of. Dr. Jackson, thank you so much. This was a very practical and interesting uh, discussion that we've had together. Thanks for being with us today, and we'll hope to talk to you again soon. My pleasure.